You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. 3D technology is changing the way some people watch TV and now how some physicians perform surgeries. How does 3D technology enhance brain surgeries and what types of conditions is it best used for? Joining us to discuss 3D endoscopic brain surgery is Dr. John Bai K. Lee, Medical Director of the Penn Gamma Knife Center and Assistant Professor of Neurosurgery at Penn Medicine. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Lee. Thank you very much for having me. Our pleasure, and I'm looking forward to learning about this. Can you tell us, perhaps to start, what exactly is 3D endoscopic brain surgery? Sure. So we currently operate in the brain on tumors and other things using 3D technology with our own eyes or with microscopes. And that's pretty standard neurosurgery. And that's what you want your surgeon to do, which is to operate on your tumor or your blood vessel malformation using both eyes and with three dimensions. What has changed and has developed over the last few years are endoscopic approaches. So just as there are great and wonderful minimally invasive techniques to get into different parts of the body using endoscopes, for example, to take out your prostate tumor or to take out your gallbladder, we now have techniques to do that through the nose. We will place small four millimeter diameter endoscopes, place them through natural cavities in your nose and work up towards the brain. And this is a wonderful way to take out certain specific types of tumors. And I imagine this is most amenable then for things at the base of the brain? Exactly. So ventral skull-based tumors. And the array of tumors that can present in this location include pituitary tumors. And this is the most common tumor that we see, but also meningiomas, as well as craniopharyngiomas and clival chordomas. These tumors tend to be less common, these clival chordomas, but if you have a type of tumor like this, you would want endoscopic surgery. Interesting. And forgive me for my, I don't remember my anatomy well enough. Even going through the nose, don't you have to break through some plates of bone in order to get to the outside of the brain? So that's very true. The brain is appropriately protected by lots of bone. In order for us to get to the brain tumor, we do have to drill through bone. But this is much better tolerated by any patient as compared to lifting up your brain or moving the brain aside in order to get to the tumor. So we definitely would prefer to drill through bone to get to your brain tumor rather than lift up your brain or push your brain aside because the brain doesn't like that. Right. And what are some of the technical aspects of this? Are you wearing special glasses? Right. What kind of tools do you have that are that small? So Prior to the 3D, we learned how to do this in 2D. And this technology and this surgical approach has been developed and pioneered by many surgeons, including myself, as well as some of my predecessors, using smaller instruments, curved instruments, different ways to get in there. But we make up for the lack of 3D with several tricks. Mm -hmm. So some of them include palpation, just feeling around and recognizing where things should be just by feeling where you are in the nose or where you are as you get closer and closer to the tumor. We also make up for the lack of 3D 
by moving the endoscope in and out, in and out. And that gives us motion parallax and an ability to make up for the loss of 3D. But what is really wonderful now is there's a new company called VisionSense, and its founder is really amazing because he himself had required brain surgery. And when he recovered from that, went on to develop a company and technology that allows us to use very small form, the same endoscope size that we currently use, but now have stereoscopic 3D vision. And this is the new and wonderful new approach. There have been other types of 3D endoscopes in the past. So for example, the da Vinci robot that you hear a lot about for abdominal surgery, pelvic surgery, prostate surgery, for example, that is also a 3D endoscope. The problem there is they've basically taken two endoscopes, put them side by side, and created the 3D. The problem for me is that that endoscope now is way too big. That's a 10 millimeter diameter endoscope, and I can't fit that in the nose. So what this company has done is they've reduced the size down to a size where they can get the 3D, but with a normal 4 millimeter outer diameter endoscope. To achieve that, they've not relied on the old technology. The old technology required glass coming to a camera. Mm -hmm. What they have done is just skip the glass, go straight to microchips, because as we know, the field of microchips and processor development is so fast and so good that as we get better and better, every 18 months, chip technology doubles and improves. Hmm. So what they've done is they've gone straight to the chip. And what we have there is a chip at the tip of the endoscope. So now the microprocessor chip is literally going straight to the tumor. So current endoscopes, you have a piece of glass that comes all the way back and your camera is outside the body. What this company has done, they bypass all of that. They put the microchip all the way at the tip called chip-tip technology, and it's 3D, and it goes right to the tumor, and it's fantastic. Oh, very interesting. So a traditional scope has fiber optic or other technology where the camera or computer is outside of the body. This camera is really at the tip of your tiny four-millimeter scope. Exactly. And is there computer assistance with this in terms of the image or in terms of the actual operating movements you have to do? Right. So what happens is the image is captured at the chip, and then wires come out, and we hold it just like we would a standard endoscope because it's currently designed in the same way so that we don't have to change the way we operate. Then that goes to the computer, and what we look at is the screen. And the screen is almost a standard 3D television that you can buy at Best Buy. And we have to wear the glasses just like you do when you watch these 3D movies. There are different technologies to watch 3D, this company has chosen polarized glasses, and they're smart in doing that because the glasses are lighter than the ones you might have to wear if you were to buy one at Best Buy. Currently, most of the ones, Samsung, Sony, Panasonic, they have active shutters, so the glasses are expensive and they're heavy. These glasses are light. They're just alternate polarization on the right and left view. So it's not too heavy when I'm operating, because some of these OR cases can be several hours. I could be in there for eight to 10 hours of operating, and I don't want another burden on my head while I'm operating. Absolutely. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. 
the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and with me discussing 3D endoscopic brain surgery is Dr. John Y.K. Lee, medical director of the Penn Gamma Knife Center and assistant professor of neurosurgery at Penn Medicine. Uh, now, Dr. Lee, with this 3D imaging, does that translate into better clinical outcomes? So although we do not have hard data yet to prove this, there's no question in my mind when I am operating near critical structures in the brain that the stereoscopic views provided by the 3D endoscope are very helpful. So, for example, when I'm manipulating a tumor off the optic chiasm, if I slip or accidentally move in the wrong way, I can blind the patient. Or when I'm dissecting tumor off the internal carotid artery, if I pull too hard or just don't carefully see the important structure, the patient could have a stroke and could be paralyzed. And with 3D technology now, I can see the intimate relationships of the arteries, the nerves, the tumor, the pituitary gland, the stalk. I can see this in much crisper detail. So this is where I think the addition of the third dimension gives me real clinical and surgical benefit. It sounds like you're very confident in it and that it's a major step forward for you. Yeah, I think there's no question that in the entertainment world, the companies have decided that ultra-high def is not important. So, for example, if they thought that we needed to go from standard def to high def to ultra-high def, and that was really what would give uh, us benefit, then the companies would be selling ultra-high def TVs. But that's not what's happening in the entertainment world. What they're moving to is 3D because that enhances our visual perception or appreciation for the entertainment. Now, surgery is not entertainment, but surgery is an active, important procedure that's being done. But the addition of the third dimension, it to me, is only natural. That's the way we operate when we're not using endoscopes. And so it's just a matter of time before this becomes very much widespread. And the Da Vinci robot, already they're all operating in 3D. And why is it that we're not doing it elsewhere in the body? Well, it's just technological limitations. And all that will be overcome with time. This company is one of the first and the best 3D endoscope that I've used and have seen. I think that this is the beginning of a breakthrough for all of us surgeons, because in many different fields that use endoscopes, in their fields it could be called laparoscopes or thoracoscopes, laryngoscopes, mm -hmm. but 3D technology is here to stay. Are there any limitations, risks, disadvantages when you're taking out a meningioma or a pituitary adenoma using this versus a more traditional approach? So one of the disadvantages currently of the 3D endoscope is that it does not have the same high-def resolution that a high-def camera can give you. Mm -hmm. So I am sacrificing some resolution for the third dimension, but that to me is just a matter of time. Mm -hmm. That With chip technology advancing every 18 months as per Moore's law, this is just another 18 months that will be you know, around the corner. Any other specific risks or things that you sacrifice in using the newer technology or really just the resolution at this point? The other issue that always comes up is color fidelity. 
The chip right now is excellent for color fidelity in the color spectrum that I tend to see most problems or most pathology in the ventral skull base, red, yellow, white, and that's mostly the colors that I see things. If you operate in different parts of the body, you may need to see different colors, and the color fidelity may not be what you expect or expect to see, and so that would have to be addressed by the company. Right now, this endoscope is designed for neurosurgeons, and so its color fidelity has been tuned to the types of tumors and things that we see. In terms of availability, it sounds like you're doing pioneering work in this at Penn. Is this something that's available elsewhere across the country? We were one of the first hospitals in the nation to purchase this endoscope, and that's because we firmly believe in pushing the envelope for better patient care for removing these types of tumors. And I've been doing this kind of work ever since I was a resident, first training in 1998, so over, I don't know, it's now 13 years of this type of surgery, endoscopic ventral skull-based surgery. And so for me, this was a natural evolution in surgery. But there are other places that have only just started the two-dimensional work and much less the three-dimensional work. I think if they were to get the 3D endoscope, I actually think it would help them learn faster. Mm-hmm. I think our residents find that they're learning endoscopy faster with the 3D endoscope as compared to the 2D endoscope. And lastly, in the, the minute we have left, as you look to the future, do you see any additional breakthroughs that are coming in 3D technology? Well, I think 3D will have to improve. There are some segment of the population that cannot view stereoscopic images without getting sick. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. And there's something innate with the right-left eye coordination that I think some people just cannot tolerate. And I'm not sure what that is and why that, that, and I think that would be an interesting thing for them to explore as to why that can or cannot be done. You don't want your uh, surgeon to need Zofran in the OR. That's right. All right. Well, I want to very much thank Dr. John Y.K. Lee, who has been with us talking about endoscopic brain surgery in 3D. This is a very interesting topic, and it sounds like we'll be hearing more about this as the technology continues to improve in the future. Thank you so much for being our guest this week on Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. To download this program or access ReachMD on demand, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.